Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. Today, we are talking about historical fiction recommendations for 2023. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that we have a lot of great content over on Patreon. We are releasing an extra episode there every month. This month's episode focuses on the pilot of Daisy Jones and the Six, the adaptation of the Taylor Jenkins Reid novel. And we are just really trying to build up our Patreon as a way to support our podcast and to cover our costs. So any way you want to support us would be much appreciated. We have a few levels over there on Patreon, and you can find out more at patreon.com slash unabridged pod. All right, to get our episode started, we are going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So one of the books I'm reading right now is Kevin Wilson's Now is Not the Time to Panic. And I just want to say that I have hardly started this one. We discussed Kevin Wilson's Nothing to See Here quite a while ago on for a book club. And what I know about it is, or what I, I think is relevant, is that I really enjoyed not knowing anything about the story prior. So I'm going to tell you the only tiny little <laughs> bit that I know right now because I do not want to read the summary and give you any additional information because I really feel like Kevin Wilson is somebody who part of the joy is in the discovery of the unfolding of the story and sometimes summaries put a little damper on that. So all I know is that Francis is the main character and right at the beginning, she gets this very unsettling phone call. So she's got her daughter sitting there and she gets this call. And the person says this series, this kind of coded message that she knows the rest of. And it's a reporter and the reporter is desperate to talk to her about something that happened when she was a teenager. So that is the opening scene. And it is quite captivating. And she's like, do we pack up everything we own? Maybe we need to flee the country She's having all these like crazy thoughts. Her seven-year-old daughter is like steady talking to her while the person is speaking, which all of that was very resonant for me with <laughs> as a mom with young children who tries to navigate a professional life and also has my kids around. And so that was captivating. And then you go back and it's this pool scene from her as a teenager in the summer. And she is what seems to be a small town. She meets this guy. His name is Zeke. And she kind of helps him to win this situation with a with a watermelon. So they grease the watermelon, <laughs> drop it in the pool. Everyone frantically tries to get it. And she doesn't really want to get into the fray, but this new guy really is like, let's win. And so kind of at the last second, she feels bad for him and has her brothers help him. So those are the only things I know. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to leave it. Because like I said, I pulled up Goodreads so that I could say something a little bit more, I don't know, complete than what I just said. But then I was like, I'm going to ruin this story by reading the summary. And so I just closed it. And that's it. And it is really fun so far and very interesting. That opening conversation was very intriguing. So I'm curious to see what happened and why it's circling back around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. I listened thanks to Libro FM. And 
That is my third book, I think, by Wilson. So the one we read together. And then I read The Family Fang a long time ago. But yeah, I just love the quirkiness of his premises. And I I don't want to say anything else about it either because I don't want to ruin it for you. But it was a total five-star read for me. I absolutely loved it. Nice. And it is short. So yeah. for those of you all who are looking for a really intriguing book that's also short, it, is, it seems like it's moves pretty quick. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So this is a reread for me. I'm reading Rebecca Roanhorse's Trail of Lightning. And this is a huh, fantasy horror novel that uses Navajo stories to create kind of as a background for its plot. So it focuses on Maggie Hosky, who is a monster hunter. And she has been given sort of supernatural powers from how she got them is explained later. But she lives in what Roan Horse calls the sixth world. So this is a post apocalyptic world where there was a huge flood that basically decimated the United States. And so now the part of the United States that was the Navajo reservation, that was Navajo land, is sort of set off to itself. And that's where Maggie lives. And she knows some some immortals. And she's hanging out with Coyote for part of the book. And it and so Rowan Horse is just like weaving in these characters who are at the center of so many stories who are part of Maggie's everyday life. And it is really gritty. I will say it is very violent. But what I really love is the way Maggie is, she has sort of accepted that she's not a great person. And yet she is constantly trying to do the right thing and to take care of the people she cares about, which is a very small group. So she is not a super warm and fuzzy heroine. She is kind of off-putting, sort of on purpose. And... She's sort of like the when it opens, she's in this job hunting a monster and she does everything she can to put off the people who want to pay her. But she also gets swept in because she does sincerely want to help people. So, yeah, she's a really prickly character who I love a lot. The first time I read it in print and this time I'm listening to the audio and that is really fun uh, just to experience it in that different format. So, yeah, and I've read both of these books. The follow-up is great as well. So I I hope that there will be more in the Sixth World series. I'm not positive, but I think there's a planned book three at least. Yeah, that sounds great, Jen. That one is sitting on my shelf. My sister lent me that book quite a while ago, and I've been meaning to read it. I really want to read some of Rune Horse's work, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. I think you would really, really like it. Yeah. The audiobook is exclusive to Audible, which I always – yeah – I'd happen to have some audible credits, but that can be a barrier because sometimes I get my books elsewhere. But all right, well, we are going to transition now to our main discussion. So each of us is going to recommend a work of historical fiction that we think you listeners would enjoy. Uh, Ashley, what are you recommending? So this one, I have been wanting to read it since it came out. I listened to this thanks to Libro FM and their ALC program. This is Khalif Fajardo Anstein's Woman of Light. And I have wanted to read this since it came out. I actually, I mean, I'm trying to remember what exactly got my attention. It received a lot of praise. The cover is really striking. I love the title. So I think I just, for all those reasons, had wanted to read it, but didn't know much about it. But this one is set in Denver, Colorado in the 1930s. 
And one thing I will note is that the audio is outstanding, but it does cover several generations and I got a bit lost. So I do think if I were to go back, I would have read the print instead. I think if you're going to listen to the audio, something I wish I'd paid more attention to is right at the beginning, it very clearly outlines who each generation is. And I wish I had like written that down. (laughs) So that is just a note for listeners. Like if you are going to listen to the audio, I would just bookmark that part right at the beginning when you're listening of who those generations are, because it does say each of their names. And I wish I'd paid more attention because there were a few times that I got lost, even though the audio is outstanding. And normally that is a situation where in the book, I would have just flipped back to the part that showed me that family tree. So side note, but I do think important. What it is really about is Luce is the main character, and she is several generations in on this family, and they, her brother calls her Little Light, um, her brother Diego, and the two of them, they live with their aunt Maria Josie, and she cares for them, but is also having a hard go of it. Um, it is a hard time to be, their family is Latinx. They are indigenous. They are dealing with a very racist society. They're navigating all kinds of hardships that are imposed upon them. And so Maria and Josie loves them, Diego and Luz, but she also is in poverty. She lives alone. She doesn't have a man in her life, which makes things even harder for her. And so, you know, she's trying to care for them, but that's going on. Well, pretty early on, Diego is accosted by a group of white young men who beat him mercilessly. I mean, their intention is to kill him. They do not kill him. However, they do, like, I mean, he's just, he has some disfigurement from Mm. it. I mean, it really, really impacts him. Well, Maria and Josie kicks him out after that and basically is like, we don't have space for this kind of trouble. So Luz is left without her brother who had been with her her whole life, um, even, you know, back when they were with their parents. And all of a sudden she's having to navigate that as a teenager. And they, she and Diego are very, very close. And so that all was really hard. And we come to find out that that had to do with a girl, a white girl that Diego was in love with and her horrific family who gets wind of that and then tries to kill him. I mean, they really just can do what they want. I mean, there's a lot in this book about how who has power and how they can just do whatever they want and nobody's going to do anything to protect the community. And so we see that happening. So like I said, a lot of it is about Luce. She is a tea reader. This is just one small part of the story, but something I really love is just this idea of knowledge that is comes to us through our heritage and through our ancestors and how if we are listening for those things that like it can be a part of us so she is a tea reader it is not like a she really does have premonitions you know it's not like a hoax that she's just making money from people but she really has this talent but it's also a burden so she can see things but only in a limited way and often she doesn't know exactly what those circumstances are if they're in the past or the future any of that when she's trying to do the readings, but it is a way for her to make some additional income. She has an opportunity to work for a young lawyer in the town in Denver, and that is a big step up for her as far as like she's better paid. 
he helps her to get clothes that are nicer. And so like she's able to help not just herself, but also her family. And so she takes that opportunity, but with it comes some complicated things. And one of those is that the lawyer is really, really interested in, he, he does want to help. He sees the disparities. He knows that things are wrong. And yet by doing that, he's putting himself at risk and also loose. And so we really see some of that too. So this is a very complex book. I think that while I have shared about loose, we find out her backstory on her parents, her grandparents. I mean, it really goes back and it's beautifully woven. It shows the layers of complexity in geography. I mean, that is Denver and the Lost Territory is where her family is from. So the Lost Territory is a territory in Colorado that only existed from 1861 until 1876 when it was admitted into the Union. And so I didn't know much about that either. Um, And so that was really interesting. So her family's from the Lost Territory, but ultimately she and Diego wind up in Denver with their aunt. And, you know, the story kind of unfurls from there. But another thing I found really captivating in the story is that there also, like like what happened to, to Diego, there was another incident with a young man who, again, it's a small part of the story, but it is about finding justice in a situation that is completely unjust and then how people can be bystanders or can try to help and what that looks like and then the ramifications of that. So I just felt like, I mean, it's a hard book to give a quick synopsis of because it's so complicated and has so many layers, but I just thought it was beautiful. It is something that I felt like I thoroughly enjoyed it, but there were so many things that I'm sure I missed because it deserves multiple readings. And I just felt like it was all masterfully told and really shows a unique perspective. I chose it partially for the historical fiction pick because I felt like Fajardo and Stein just really gives you this glimpse into what things were like. Like there's stuff like the circus and the performances of people. And there's a sharpshooter woman who, you know, so there's just like these things that are so specific to the time and place that I felt like were really powerful. And then meanwhile, it also is just this fascinating multi-generational story of a family finding their way in a pretty um, wide open, you know, territory at a time that was very far from settled, but already had some pretty substantial divides within it. So I loved it. I thought that Luce was a great character. She has a cousin who's a big part of the story, who's also a really great character. And I just thought it was fantastic. So again, that one is Woman of Light, and it's by Khalif Fajardo Einstein. And I highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds so good. Yes, I have that one also from Libro. So I'll have to put it on my list to listen to soon. It sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like I said, for listening, you know, just paying attention Mm -hmm. to those generations and going back. I always forget that with audio that you can bookmark things. You can go back. And so just having that on hand would have been I was listening this morning to make sure I knew how to say her name correctly, the author. And when I listened back right after that, it goes through the generations. Oh. And I was like, dang it, if I had just remembered, it would have been so, <laughs> that so is a helpful. Great tip. Yes. <laughs> so what about you, Jen? What's your recommendation? So I'm recommending Marie Benedict's The Other Einstein. And I Benedict is one of those authors who I've come to really appreciate. I think she's so good at 
looking at history and finding women, her every book I've read by her has been focused on a woman who is in some way overshadowed by a man. So perhaps the man in her life is famous or the man in the book is famous. And then you find out that this woman who Benedict is illuminating actually played a large part in their success or or had her own shockingly (laughs) unique and really interesting story. So the other Einstein is about Albert Einstein's first wife, who was herself a brilliant mathematician and physicist. And her name is Mitsumeric, and she was born in Serbia. And she met Einstein when they were attending school in Zurich together. (laughs) And I will just say by the end of this book, I was so angry with Albert Einstein. And I recognize that, you know, it is fiction. But Benedict always has a really great author's note at the end where she explains her sources. And she really runs through the parts of the story that she took some liberties with and the parts that are anchored in historical research. And a lot of this book is anchored in historical research. And she talks about her sources. So if you're, if you like that kind of thing, I don't, it would be slightly spoilery to read the author's note first. But I do think just knowing that that's always going to be there for Benedict is really helpful. But basically, what you find out is that they were drawn together by both in some ways being outcasts uh, from that society. So There is a prejudice against people from Serbia. Mitza also has a limp, a really pronounced limp that in her culture has meant that basically her family doesn't think that she'll ever have any man who is willing to marry her. So from a very young age, that is just not a future that is set out for her. And instead, her father realizes really early that she's absolutely brilliant and he against all the bounds of his society nurtures her love for learning and that in really intense intellectual brilliance that she has. And so she is going to college at a time that most women absolutely were not. So she was born in 1875. So you can imagine what that was like in that time. And so she is the only woman in their classes where they are together. She has to face a lot of prejudice from her professors and from her other students. But Einstein very quickly recognizes how intelligent she is and just her inventiveness and, and this unique way she has of seeing the world. And so they're really drawn to each other. They begin a relationship. And after they're married, she thinks... So she is, I don't want to spoil everything, but because of a series of events, partially that have to do with their relationship, she is unable to get her degree. And so they get married and and she thinks they're going to collaborate. Well, Einstein is worried at first, and this is what he says, that because she doesn't have a degree, any papers they try to publish together would not be respected. So... He takes her name off of the first paper that they collaborate on. And then you sort of see this trend continue. And so Mm. there is speculation that she was a major part of developing most of the theories, early theories that he's famous for, and the Mm -hmm. ones that earned him the Nobel Prize, and that she, they found letters and some of their notes. And yeah, so... Jeez. Yeah, it was really shocking to me. So, and you see Einstein is Jewish and you see the way 
that that impacts his fears of being dismissed because he is Jewish does impact some of the decisions that he makes and some of the opportunities that they have. So they each in their own way are having to face different kinds of discrimination. But then you also see as he becomes more famous, the way that changes him. And so what I really love about this book is that all of this is happening on the public side of things. And yet, Benedict is focusing on Mitzah and on her life and on her aspirations and how she deals with the blows to her confidence that the way Albert treats her cause. She has some really good friends who are there for her throughout her life. And Benedict has her meet some other famous women who help her to understand what she can do and who she can be and the idea that she might not just have to react to what the men in her life want, but that she can in some ways carve out her own path. So I've probably given too much away. I feel like with this kind of historical fiction, it's always, yeah, there's some things you know, but I really loved it. This is one, it really stuck with me. And I would find myself thinking about them at random points, (laughs) like in the weeks following finishing the book, I just would get really angry all over again, or I would, you know, go start Googling to see, no, wait, what actually happened and what, what resources are there? And um, I've read some articles. I think it's one of those that makes you want to learn even more about the people who are at its center. So yeah, that is Marie Benedict's The Other Einstein. And I would really recommend, I haven't read all of Benedict's books, but I would recommend all the ones that I've read. I think she's such a strong feminist author of historical fiction. I really like the angle she takes on things. Wow, Jen, I have to admit that it has never crossed my mind anything about Albert Einstein's partners. <laughs> right. Did he have partners? Who were they? Nothing, not a single bet. So when you started talking, I was like, isn't that interesting how there's some people that are iconic in history, but also who we flattened so yes. much that we only think about them in this very narrow way. And so yeah, it's never even occurred to me. So that sounds totally fascinating. And how awful that Mm -hmm. for her that that was happening. And also, yeah, I mean, I can see how that happens over and over again to two women throughout history. But geez, Mm -hmm. and I will also I don't know if I said this, but I listened to this on audio, and it it was a great audio experience. So I would recommend that. Um, I'm sure it's great in print as well. But yeah, I, I think Benedict has a real great, a really great feeling for these untold stories that are so important to highlight now. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That's what and I didn't think to say about Fajardo and Stein that she has won a lot of awards, mm-hmm. um, both for this book. I have not read Sabrina and Karina, but she got a lot of acclaim for that one as well, which I definitely plan to read. But I do think exactly like you said, Jen, that she is telling stories that have not been mm-hmm. told of people who, of course, were part of the history that we have read about, but were not highlighted. And so, yeah, that was what I loved about Woman of Light is I felt like so much of the family in this story is just a story. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they, it is fiction, but they are representing people who are very much the fabric of the U.S. as it was becoming what it is now. And yet those stories are so underrepresented. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. All right. Well, we would love to know what historical fiction you've been reading or what you would recommend. 
And you can let us know either by emailing us at unabridgedpod at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at unabridgedpod. To wrap up our episode, we are going to end with our new segment, woohoo, month two. And this is a flashback. So this time we're talking about five years ago this month. Ashley, what do you want to highlight from five years ago? Oh my goodness, which was 2018, people. <laughs> I don't know how. Anyway, 2018. <laughs> Yeah, I'm loving this segment. So it was fun to just go through my Google photos and see what we were up to and something really fun that we did. And so my kids are, you know, are they're 2014, 2016. So my youngest was very small still at, <laughs> at this point. And we went to Smith Mountain Lake with friends from college and hung out with them and their young child. So that was super fun. And I'd kind of I didn't remember, you know, you, it's funny how you remember those fun things that you've done, but not always like when they happened or mm-hmm. how little your kids were things like that. So it was fun. And yeah, we had a great time. I'd never been there before. What about you, Jen? Yeah, so I April, both of my boys were born in April. So I, I knew when I looked back at my Google photos, I would see lots of birthday pics, which I did. But I also, like you said, I knew that this trip had happened, but I forgot exactly when it had happened. I chaperoned a field trip with my older son. He was in fifth grade at the time to Richmond. And we visited a historical museum, an art museum. I can't remember what it's called. I'll try to look it up for the show notes. But then also the Children's Museum of Richmond, which was such a fun trip. That is a great children's museum. If you are anywhere near Richmond and haven't been, I highly recommend it. And they they had a great mix of science activities and then just time to roam around. So he had a great time with his friends. And that's one of those trips that was really fun to chaperone. So yeah, so that was five years ago. So yeah, we'll have a post on Instagram over the weekend and you can let us know what you had going on in April 2018. Get out your Google photos and you can scan back and be startled by the passage of time, just like we are. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. Unabridged.